let's just get into the into the creation story and what happens here. So day one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or, if you're following along in your Hebrew text, Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et ha'aretz. No, 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 no. You're not drawing anything yet. No, 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 no. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So we're going to start, though, with the word in the beginning. Um, very, It's one word in Hebrew. Bereshit means in the beginning. Um, there's no previous reference to time. Therefore, it can only be the very beginning of all existence. And of all people to get the Hebrew of this, word, of this verse wrong, it is modern Jews who get it the wrongest because they say in their own official translation, when God began to create the heavens and the earth instead of in the beginning, um, which sheds doubt on when did this happen? Did something happen beforehand? And that's actually from the lips of a Jewish um, rabbi I spoke to about this very subject. So it's, it's intentionally mistranslated to give this other idea. Well, then you have, of course, God's name, God, which here is his name, Elohim. Uh, if, if, you study, um, if you studied the Bible a while, you may have heard El or Elohim as God's title, his God title. It means the all-powerful one. That's what Elohim means. And here he created the heavens and the earth, um, just created, not when he began to create and so forth, but created. And why is it created out of nothing? Because there was nothing to create it out of. That's why we say it's out of nothing. Or in Latin, ex nihilo. Why, why use English if Latin will do? That was, that's actually a Mark Jeske quote. Okay. <clears throat> um, God or mighty one, mighty one, Elohim. Yeah. No, um, actually, the heavens, in, uh, Paul helps us with that in uh, 2 Corinthians. The, the, the ancients thought of there being three heavens. One is where the birdies fly. One is up where the sun, moon, and stars fly. And the other one is where God's throne is. That's the third heaven. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians, um, I, got, I know a man who was caught up once into the third heaven and heard things he cannot describe. So kind of three heavens. But it's really the whole thing. The whole thing up there. Yeah, really good question. When we think of the earth, we think of a world that looks like this, which is not a very great picture of the earth. There are better ones, clearer ones, but you can see that there are clouds and maybe continents and seas there, right? Well, when God began, I'm going to use this picture of the planet Uranus because that's more what we looked like, I think, in the very beginning, which was this more bluish, blobby mass, because we don't have anything else yet. So that's what we're starting with, except for one thing, um, we don't have any light yet. So really, it would just be the lower left-hand corner, dark blue on black, you know, or whatever, something along those lines. Um, so now the earth, this is verse 2, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. 
Um, you see the words formless and empty there? Um, these are the words in Hebrew, tohu and vohu. Um, the, a good way to translate tohu and vohu are teenagers' bedroom. Okay? Chaos. Stuff everywhere. Okay? Um, so tohu also can be like a wasteland, as in Deuteronomy 32.10. Or a deserted, desolate place, Isaiah 40, uh, 24, rather. Or as in Isaiah 29, empty, an empty tohu testimony deprived of the innocent of justice. Tohu, kind of meaning empty without anything to fill it up. A formless, a vast formless entity of water, a blob of water in space. uh, I had a professor who used to like to call it the primordial mass. This formless blob, a drop of water. But since there's no gravity um, apart from Earth yet, we don't think, then it doesn't, didn't look like a drop. It was just a blob, a ball of water. You ever seen a ball of water in, uh, like, like in the International Space Station, pictures from it, where it's just blobs of water or jello floating around? They don't have any shape. It's, it's, just, it's just a sphere. That's what we're talking about. So, an entity of water and space. And then we're told that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, hovered over the surface of this deep. I'm going to come back to that. But I haven't, I haven't given you vohu yet. So, vohu um, always occurs with tohu. Okay? Tohu occurs by itself, but vohu only occurs with tohu and means an emptiness or desolation um, or disorganized something. Okay, so tohu vavohu. Um, or I can do my deep voice, tohu vavohu. Okay, so the earth was formless and empty, and here we go. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Did the Spirit of God look exactly like this nondescript white dove, as I have here in the gift file? I don't think so, but whatever. And why is the Spirit of God hovering there? Well, God is about to, to talk about it. And therefore, he needs, if God is going to express an opinion, what do you need to do if you're going to bring a judgment on something? Two or three witnesses. So the Holy Spirit is there to be another witness. This is, I'm going to check out what you're doing. Okay, God is following up on himself. The Trinity is checking up on the Trinity. Also, the Spirit's action here shows that he is concerned about the creation. This is where he doesn't have anywhere else to be. Right now, this is all he wants to do. When you have a brand newborn baby still in the hospital room with that uh, clear plastic bassinet, you know, with, with just the card on the end that has birth weight and other things that they think is important and baby's name or baby smith or whatever it happens to say if you haven't figured out the name yet then uh, otherwise there's nothing there but the baby and nobody cares about anything except the baby we come in and we want to just make sure mom's okay mom goes back to sleep and we only care about the baby that's what we want to see you know with respect that's all we care about is the baby um okay so spirit of god hovering so in two verses god made essentially god the father verse two Spirit of God hovering. And now verse 3, God said, who is the word of God? 
Christ, and especially Jesus. You've got all three persons of the Trinity in these three verses of, of Genesis. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so here's a picture of light. I don't know how else to do it. This is actually from a painting by one of my favorite painters named Turner. But light, just light. And what kind of light was it? The light was every kind of light. So we can say it was physical light, the kind of light we see, but also spiritual. It's the light of truth, the light of God, the light of, you fill in the blank, that's the kind of light that was there. Every kind of light was there. And also, it was the, I'm going to say the elemental light our dogmaticians sometimes talk about, which on the fourth day of creation will be concentrated in celestial bodies like the sun and the stars and reflected by the moon. Um, but at this time, there was nothing making the light except God who made it and sustained it and didn't need anybody else involved with it. In heaven, we will no longer need the sun. Where will all the light come from? Again, from God. Perfect, unspoiled light. So according to the clear statement of Scripture, there was light before sun, moon, and stars. And uh, 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 Professor Francis Pieper said, Nobody will object to this as long as he believes in an omnipotent God. You know, who would, be, who would have a problem with light existing before a light giver, a light maker? Only somebody who rejects God. Also, in our day, I think that God gives us a little bit of help with something. Because we often talk about stars and their distance from the earth. So how distant is the sun from the earth in terms of how, how fast tra light travels as a light year. I believe the sun is eight minutes from the earth as far as a, a beam of light goes, about eight minutes. And who cares, right? It's, that's really close, right? But you get to a distant star, Rigel, Betelgeuse, Far Cantaris, and things like that, and all of a sudden you have stars that appear, by measuring the distance of the, of the light travel, they appear to be uh, farther away in the terms of how far their light has traveled than the universe is old. So if a, if a, if a star, say, is uh, 10 million light years away, well, the universe isn't that old. Not if I read scripture correctly. So how can the light, how can I see that star if the light has been traveling longer than the universe has been around. Well, what did God make before he made stars? He made light. So do I care how old light appears to be? Not really, because it's been around before the star was there. The light was coming. So I don't have a problem with that. God, let me, let me, let me get you back down to earth with that picture, partner. Okay. <laughs> So God saw that the light was good and he separated light from darkness. So God made all and then showed that he is master of all. That's what the cowboy last wing, the cap, is all about. So, uh, but God judges the light. So he needs a witness or two. He has a witness or two. That's the triune God there. And says that the light is good. Um, by the way, the word for good is pronounced tov. Let's all say tov. Tov. God's judgment is that what he created, the world, the darkness, the light, were all good. So is darkness also good? Yeah, when it's unspoiled 
and so forth. Um, so we cannot, why, why did that happen? Let's go there. We cannot imagine what it would be like to have light and darkness mixed together because God separates them. What, 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 unless it's twilight, you know, is that what light and dark mixed together is? Or is it like when I look out through my louvered blind, blinds and I've got light, dark, light, dark, light, dark, you know, when, when, when my cats look at the bird feeder and lick their chops, which is during all daylight hours, you know, that's all they do is stare at that bird feeder because I want that, you know. And, and they have that shadow. Is that what it is? Well, whatever it was, God separated them so that we see them as separate things. That's what God has done for us. And maybe to stop the craziness. You know, it might have been difficult for us. I don't know if, if any of you go into this era. Uh, maybe you do with our, with our kids. But um, before... But in, in the days, at, the, at, at um, there used to be a TV show called Teletubbies. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I used Teletubbies to help teach the, the, the doctrine of the Lord's Supper uh, with, my, with, with, with my catechism kids and the parable of the Good Samaritan because there's just enough Teletubbies to tell the Good Samaritan story. And one of them is even red and bloody and one of them is even sinful and so it's easy to do. And, uh, uh, but... Toward the end of the Teletubbies run, another show came out of Britain called Booba. And it was like Teletubbies on drugs. It was also a children's show with little tubby children things, but then wild, surreal colors swirling everywhere. And you're like, what is going on? You know, and, and, and uh, uh, anyway, that, that I, I kind of wonder about that and this twilight light that God separates. Did, was it just too much? And so anyway, he took it away. He, he removed it. Um, so God called the light day and the darkness he called night. Uh, uh, so, Kara um, Elohim, how does it go? Uh, 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 the day is Yom, uh, uh, and the darkness he calls Layala, uh, night. Yeah. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The first day. So this also helps us to understand when was this. So what do we have on this day so far? Day, night, evening, morning. And what was the original part of the creation? The blob. So we have the sea also. So there are three errors about the length of the days of creation and believe it or not, the most common ancient mistake about how long were the days of creation is they thought that they were too short. So their, their guess is always too short. For pious reasons, to bow to God's omnipotence, some uh, ancient Christians like Athanasius, Augustine himself, and St. Hilary, they thought that the creation days could only have been fractions of a second long, that all of creation just took like four or five seconds. That's what they thought. And they thought, no, they, it, we have to read something into these days. They can't be a full day. God doesn't need a, a whole day. God needs a you know, fraction of a moment and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet kind of thing. 
Now, the second error is that the people think that, that we should translate day being longer, and they go too long, and they do that to do away with God's role. And there are as many absurd theories about the length of the days of creation as there are atheists. I think that everybody has a different idea about how long the days of creation are. I remember as a child, not as a, as a teenage boy, I, uh, back in the days of, some of you don't remember this, back in the days of AM radio, uh, <laughs> um, uh, in the Madison, Wisconsin area, we picked up Chicago radio stations under certain climactic conditions. And I loved listening to AM 890, which was WLS radio, and uh, listening to Larry Lujak and, and, uh, and Tommy Edwards and others. On, and one day, one of the disc jockeys on WLS was talking about a show he had watched about evolution on PBS the night before, and I actually heard him live on the air shift from being a complete Bible-believing Catholic Christian to saying, I don't know, now I guess, I guess evolution has to come in there somewhere. It was like you, you, you saw the crack in his faith open up at that moment. And uh, I hope the Lord took him home to heaven before that crack, you know, split all the way down. Um, because which of us doesn't have maybe some error in our thinking about something or other? Um, but Larry Lujak, it was, it was too bad. It was old, old Uncle Larry. And I, I, felt, I felt really bad about that. We talked about that for days and days after that about what happened. The other, the other thing is that uh, 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 some think that the days of creation should have been longer for pious reasons. And modern theologians do this. Not modern atheists, but modern theologians. They try to combine the Bible with science, but the Bible is the one that they say has to bow to science rather than science bowing to the Bible. Um, and almost all modern theologians, especially... The kind you like, like I, the kind who write books, and, and as a guy who writes books, I, I'm always suspicious of guys who write books, and and uh, um, uh, the ones who get TV shows and radio shows and things and or YouTube channels or whatever, and you got to be careful about the days of creation. Um, so Augustine said, "Subitio et simo," all of a sudden and all at once. So Augustine didn't think it was six days. He thought it was all at once. And Luther criticizes Augustine. And for Luther, that was painful because Luther was an Augustinian monk. To be a lot of respect for Augustine. Of all of the ancient fathers, Augustine and his pastor, Ambrose, were very highly regarded by Martin Luther. But Luther says he plays with these six days in a marvelous manner. He considers them to be, a, to be mystical days of knowledge and the angels and not six natural days. So he... And Luther basically tells us, don't read Augustine about the days of creation. Not bad. Not bad advice. The, and, and by the way, the most recent theory uh, in science is that the universe coalesced from a hot, dense mass of gases. I may have misspelled gases. About 40 billion years ago. But the question is, where'd the gas come from? You know? You, it, because you get, uh, if, if, if you get an hourglass-shaped uh, event on its side, right? 
there has to be something before and then it condenses and then blows up into what's after. But where did the before come from? Um, so did you, have you, um, most of us have probably seen the TV show, The Big Bang Theory, and know that the string theory was the, the thrust of, of the scientists on the show. Do you know that in the last couple of years, string theory has been all but debunked? It just collapsed. Um, and it reminds me of, um, of other things where science, for sometimes a couple hundred years, um, goes down like a little uh, rabbit hole. And all of the genius that's virtually wasted on that, you know, because somebody has to kind of come out of it and say that was, you know, let's just move on. Yeah. That just about killed Sheldon. Yeah. I mean, that, that on the show, was, yeah. That was debunked. And yeah. That was, that was his study of them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, this, this, what I have on the screen here, that means that science, I'm going to use the word carefully, believes that either all matter has always existed, which was uh, Aristotle. Remember, I read at the beginning of the, of, the, of the section. Or that life in our universe was created naturally from the dead. In other words, from nothing. Or somehow both. Now, now this, this, this is my own observation. So one's understanding of creation rests entirely in one's understanding of the resurrection. How do I think of the resurrection? That's how I'm going to think about creation. So A, do I believe that God can create life from death? Something from, yes, I do. That's Christian belief. Or do I believe that nature can create life from death? That's scientific theory and belief. Or do I believe that man can create life from death? Which is science fiction. In fact, who in particular? 19-year-old girl from England who ran with the wrong guys. You know her name? Mary Wallenscroft Shelley. Her uncle or grandfather had played around with the brand new notion in, in the 1780s of electricity and its effect on the human body. Mary Shelley writes a ghost story about a scientist named Dr. Frankenstein who sews perfect bodies together and comes up with a monster. That's what happens when you get a 19-year-old girl telling ghost stories in, uh, in Britain or in... Or in in uh, Ireland. And what's nature then? If there's a nothing. Right. If there's a nothing, there's no nature then. That, that's a, can so, I, let me, let, me, let me say that again back to you. So you got it. If there's nothing, then there's no nature there. Right. Yeah, it's just an absence of everything. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's profound. <laughs> it really is. That's an and, and, and absolute. That that's that's an absolute correct definition. Yeah, if uh, if nature cannot make something out of nothing, because if there is nothing, then there by definition is no is no nature there either. To me, nature is like clouds, skies, oceans, mm -hmm. trees, and flowers. Sure. Yeah, nature is almost by definition life. Yeah, some some, some, some something like that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, that's something that I always wonder when <coughs> I have a discussion with mm -hmm. somebody who I'm not a Christian. Right. So how come when he hears of nothing, mm -hmm. and nothing and nothing, how could you create something? Yeah. Yeah. Or, or as, uh, as uh, the fifth beetle once said, what was his name? Uh, no, 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 on the other end. Uh, um, anyway, he wrote a song called Nothing from Nothing Leaves Nothing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You going to help me with it, John? It'll come later. Two o'clock this morning. Shout it out later. Okay, sorry. Billy Preston. Billy Preston. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Day, day two. All righty. Day two. We're in that second square now. You have six minutes. Thank you very much. Day two. We, maybe we'll get through day two. I don't know. All righty. And no R2 day two jokes. I just said no R2 day two jokes. Day two. God said, let there be a vault. This is the new NIV, I think. A vault between the waters to separate water from water. So some kind of a, of a hard dome. The translators of the King James Version had no idea what to do with this word. So they came up with firm thing. Firmament. You know, what do you call it? I don't know. Um, I, uh, you know, my mother's colander is always what I kind of imagined. There's some kind of a dome all around it. So this vault between, and by the way, especially uh, talked about by, of all people, test pilots. When they were flying faster and faster and faster in the late 1940s, um, they found that there was a, a place where the sky turned into a brick wall. And, and, and guys kept dying, smashed into this thing. Um, Chuck Yeager in the X1 went through it, um, and uh, something has to, you know it had to do with the shape of the plane and the speed and so forth. But and uh, but when he broke the sound barrier, everybody thought that he had died because there was an explosion, which we now call a sonic boom. But he went he went through it, and that was really just pushing the air out of the way. Um, but a firm thing up there. So this vault. Between the waters to separate water from, so you got water below and water above. And the vault, by the way, the Hebrew word is rakia. We can all say that rakia. Um, and the, the 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 point of it, this is a couple different ver uses of it. And it's an extended solid surface. It can be wall. It can be a vault or a firm place. I like that King James version firmament. I also like vault. Here in the new NIV, that's a that's a nice word, the vault. What did the old NIV say, John? Do you have that open? Expanse. Expanse. Uh, okay. I mean, a dome. Okay. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fault a translator on this. Um, a dome is I have it on the fourth bullet here, I guess. And then um, the the Greek translators said a stereoma, a firmness. Stereoma is also like when the doctor is poking in your arm. Soft, soft, soft. Ooh, stereoma. There's a firmness there. You know, what happened there? I don't know. It's, you know, it got a growth or whatever. In, uh, you know, once you get over 40, they show up all over your body, those things. I don't know. So we have here 
water below, water above, sea, and sky. And that's what the clouds are. They're basically sky. I'm still stunned. I know that our children are taught this in science class, but I get to teach Genesis to the seventh graders, and whether they're public school or parochial school, they get to this and they say, how can clouds be made of water? Well, they are, you know, and, and, and uh, they have a sign. And, and, then, and, and, I'll get a, and then I'll get a, I, I had a girl this year who said, but some of those clouds are big. They have to weigh tons. I'm like, yeah, they do. Well, that can't stay up there. Well, it doesn't eventually. It rains, you know, and, and so they, they begin to get the idea of what happens. Well, this is my picture. This is also the planet Uranus, but I've sliced it apart for you or somebody else did. So the top, the mesosphere is the farthest extension of our basically of our useful atmosphere. Then you have the thing below it is called the troposphere. The troposphere is where all of the weather happens. That's what we're talking about here with the clouds and so forth. Um, and then below that at this time was the ocean. And then somewhere at the, was, was the chocolate center of a Tootsie Pop where you got then the planet surface submerged somewhere. Um, that God is going to draw up out of the water eventually. But it's kind of a picture of maybe what the world looked like here on day two. Can't do much better, I guess. Um, or just this flying above it. Okay, so God creates this. And I wanted to show you this picture too because were the clouds just little puffy clouds here and there? Or was it a solid everywhere overcast, a vault? And there's a reason for thinking it might have been a vault. Um partly because later on in the, in the days of Noah, the thing is going to open up and rain. And it's the first time the word rain is going to be used in the Bible is during the flood. And um, did the overcast finally collapse? And is that where all the flood water came from? Is by this thing just, you know, being, being destroyed by God? And that's where some of the flood water came from as well as from below and so forth. So I'm not really sure about that. Do I have like 60 seconds left here? So God, God made, well, this will finish day two, these two verses. So God made the vault and separated the water under it, under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. And God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Notice we don't have a sun yet, but we have evening and morning. So the light and the dark, which are separated, still are in some way activated and moving or, or whatever it is. Hello, Carl. That's the end of day two. We'll be moving into day three then. I'll just start at day three next time, if that's okay. We'll get back to the chart, which I haven't even really gotten to in the slides yet. Let's pick it up from there. Until then, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.